How is your prayer life? If you are like most of us, it has seasons and sometimes lacks consistency. Prayer, faith, and holiness are key to reaching your destiny. Join Prophet Nanaseyo Pukusakodie as he encourages the body of Christ to get closer to God in prayer. anything for your distressing they would attract the judgment of God on this mountain Prophet Nanaseo Pukusakode is an end-time seasoned firebrand prophet and an evangelist with a unique preaching ministry anchored on prayer he teaches and prophesies the word of God with signs and wonders everything that belongs to you may the Lord gather you from the west gather you from the east gather you from the south from the north, yeah. may you stay in the center of your way. Yeah. And now, the message. The more I grew up in my marriage, the more I see that marriage is very challenging. And when you are caught in it, uh, it looks very different because sometimes um, love can make you a little bit blind. When you become blind in the aspect of love, there are some things you can easily take for granted. Hallelujah. So some of the things I'm going to say, um, I'm going to step on your toes very strong. Uh, sometimes you have to take it the way it is because most of the medicine that cure, they are very bitter. How many of you don't want to marry? Wow. So if God comes down, he wants some eunuchs and some uh, whatever, he will never get one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start my teaching with some question. So how many of you want to marry? Good. Why do you want to marry? I don't need an answer from you, but I want you to write a question down. Why do I want to marry? <laughs> Everybody wants to marry. Is that correct? The question is, why do you want to marry? How many of you have ever thought about that question? Nobody. None of you have ever thought about it. You are chasing uh, ladies. Ladies are chasing you. You are, you are proposing, but the question is that, the first question, because these are very important questions you must ask yourself. Now, let me tell you this. I want to ask the second question. Have you ever asked why people marry and they are divorcing? Someone that is very close to you, maybe a sister, maybe a cousin, maybe a friend. P and this guy was going out. They are very happy. I love you. You are the only mosquito in my net. This, this, this. You were in their wedding. You may kiss your bride. Everybody was clapping, pepra, pepra, pepra. And so we didn't see it very well. Very exciting after that reception. Then six down, six months down the line, you met a lady, the lady said, blah, 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 and it's working out of the marriage. Did you ask why? Because there's a why behind every trouble. Why is this lady working out? Of the marriage. 
Okay, if you couldn't get the answer, let me also ask the same question. Can it happen to me? This is a matter of Tafiakwa. No, there are some things a reality. So here, let's put Tafiakwa and faith, faith, faith aside. We are facing reality. Because the thing about marriage you have to understand is that this is one of the things I have to see, I have to get to understand about marriage. If this brother decides to marry this sister, eh, number one, their faith level might not be the same. There are some things maybe this sister can believe God for that this one even doesn't believe that it can work that way. These are the things you have to understand about marriage. Hallelujah. So, uh, don't throw Tafia away now. Let's face reality. We are talking about reality. Now, the, the, the brother and the sister that you saw them marrying, kissing their bride, that today they are divorcing. The question you have to ask is, can it happen to me? Okay, if I don't want it to happen to me, what are the steps I should take? Wow. Some of you are writing left. Some of you are writing right. You can see it. Whether right or left, we have to write. Hmm. There's another question I want to ask. I'm throwing the questions and then we'll run the thing up. The guy I'm courting with, how many of you have fiancés? Lift your hands. Fiancé, fian, whatever. Lift your hands. Amen. How many of you have had one before? Lift your hand. Boyfriend, fiance. Forget about everything. Just boyfriend. Somebody has, even if it's, a, if it's a rabbit, lift up your hands. Whatever you went out with, I just want to find out. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Good. <laughs> How many of you have never been in a relationship? You've never been to any relationship. Wow. How many? Lift your hands. Oh, there are men who have never been to a relationship. The man there in the suit, you've never been to any relationship. You've never had a girlfriend. You've never had a fiancé. You've never told any woman that you love her. Huh? Oh, did you tell her that you love her? <laughs> Have you ever told a woman that I love you? <laughs> no. You've never. So the word I love you, I've never said one in your life. Wow. Anyway. That's awesome. Hmm. Are we ready? Wow. So many things are coming to my spirit. I don't even know where to start from. What was the last question I asked? When I look at your face, I'm suspecting all of you. How many of you have courted with a man for more than five years? Lift up your hands. Five years. Four years. I don't want the hand that you lift lightly. Lift it up so that everybody will see you. Three years. Wow. How many of you have courted for two years? Two 
one year. Yesterday. <laughs> Why are you laughing? There is another question you have to also ask. Because as I deal with a lot of marriage crises, I, am, I pick, because some of the crises I deal with, uh, that is what I'm trying to address. But this is one thing I want to deal with. Are you sure that the guy you are going out to, you will be proud to call him the father of your children? That's what I said all night. By the time I finish preaching, some of you just go and say, Catch it. <laughs> Greatest mistake I made was to say yes to you. Because if it's any guy here or any uh, lady here that you don't, f- you don't feel bold and comfortable to introduce your fiancé to any friend or anybody you meet, I don't think it's worth continuing that relationship. Because you will not respect anybody you can deceive. Now there are some things we have to clear off. Sometimes I discover that a lot of you are just in hurry and sometimes you go about anything goes because the reason why a lot of you do that is that you are trying to just merely to please some people. One, it might be your parents. Because there are some of you ladies here now that your mothers are putting pressure on you. So that can move you to do all kinds of crazy things. That is one. Number two, um, I don't know whether I'll call it peer pressure or something, but when you see your classmates and your colleagues and things marry, you just also want to marry. Number three, you can sit there and say, I was watching a comedian, he said that, uh, prayer points for marriages changes as the years go by. And he was talking about when you are young at the age of 20, then your requirements that I want a man who has a house in Dubai. He has one in, I, I don't think I can quote him verbatim, but I'm just, he has one in London. He goes that. And then when you cross 25, then the, the, the requirements begin to reduce. Uh, then you come and say, Oh Lord, uh, uh, I don't even want anything in Dubai. If the person has a house in Pram Pram, I'm fine. Uh, then when we get to 30, then your requirements, we get some of the prayers are like, Lord, five years ago I was a fool. <laughs> then as you get to like 35, uh, who is me to ask of a requirement? <laughs> uh, Lord, I made a mistake. Uh, anything goes. Uh, I used to walk, so I don't even want a man with a car. By the time you get to 40, you say, Aki and Popo, I don't mind. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> uh, oh, as the age goes by, and when you get there, and then um, I want to talk about Aki and Popo level. Because when you get there, it's like the pressure on you make you feel like every man's goes. But it's after when you marry that you realize that, no, it is more than the way you were thinking about. Hallelujah. It's more than the way you were thinking about. 
So I am, I'm trying to clear some of these garbages in your mind. And then we can just take off from there. It's a very serious business because uh, in your generation, right now, it is considered that almost 60% of the marriages marry don't stand. Now, the reason why we know the statistics about the divorce rate is that anytime you are divorcing, it ends up in the law court. It means that if you marry right now, you decide that you don't want to love the lady again, you can't just take a ring and throw it, especially if you have gone through the kind of marriage that you have signed certificates. Because the certificate is the backing of the government that you are legally married. That thing must be reversed before you can take another man. Now, if you don't do that, the other party can sue you. Or even in the eyes of God, it means that you are committing adultery. So divorce. The Bible talks about divorce. It doesn't mean God likes it. The Bible gives you the context in which you can divorce a, a, a somebody. Uh, one of them is in a context of adultery. That even that one, Jesus said that if you still love her, you can keep her. Are you listening to me? So the reason we know the statistics is that, for instance, um, they say the divorce rate in the church is higher than the divorce rate in the world. Somebody said, how do they know? Fine. If you come to marry in church, eh, the, a, a gazetted church is given a certificate. If the church is not gazetted and you want to marry, then you have to go to the uh, AMA or TMA or something and sign. And then when you sign, whatever it is, and then after that, uh, somebody officiate the wedding for you over there, then you go and sign the certificate. And then when you sign the certificate, the certificate, you give you a copy. And there's another copy that they keep as a record over there. Now, the one that they give to us in church, when we finish this one, Marie, we tear it, we give it to you, we send the other copy back to them so that we can go for another booklet that now 57 people have married in the church. If you decide you want to marry, that, that thing has to be brought to the court, the law court. That, okay, these people were legally married in this church, was gazetted, and these ministers are gazetted who did the marriage. So by compilation, they can easily know that this person from Methodist came to divorce. This run from this place came to divorce. This run from this place, the Lord is my shepherd, they come divorce. And then they tabulate it. And then they also check the people who didn't marry through the church, but they just came through AMA. And then when they compare, they can easily know how many people have been divorced from the church. Are you getting the picture now? So now, uh, it is coming out that the people who marry in the church now divorce higher than those who married outside the church i'll give you one or two ex one or two things it's not really but that is my belief and sometimes we talk out of experience because as you keep counseling people you get to know why uh, they are divorced for instance one of the things i'm studying is that sometimes by the time people come to you as a pastor that solved their marital problem it has come to the point where it's irreparable most times. Or by the time they come, both of them must make their mind. One of the reasons why I see people make their mind and then when they come, that is why I don't worry myself to talk about people's marital problem because when they make their mind, no amount of counseling can reverse, the, reverse their decision. Especially when one of them has already started going out to somebody. When I say going out, not necessarily like they are committing adultery, but maybe a colleague in the office has become so much of a friend, they are so close that he feel that guy can be a better husband than the one he's married with. And so as a result of that, they make up their mind and they think that 
they are running away from a lion to go to a lamp. But they've never lived with that lamp. This is the thing I want you to understand. Everybody listen to me. Thank God you are not married. If you decide that you are going to marry by tomorrow, you have to make up your mind that even if I'm married and this man turned to a hippopotamus, she's going to be my husband for life. Have you noticed that when there are, some of you, where you go to churches, when they are exchanging the marriage vows, they ask you to say for better, for worse. Do, 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 are you getting that one? They say for better and for what? Now, it's not really biblical. It's not in the Bible. There's nowhere the Bible says marriage is for better and for worse. If you study the Bible carefully, the Bible never make any reference about marriage being for better or for worse. Some of the things the Bible said about marriage is that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord, which means that God has reserved a special favor for anybody who is going to marry. Some of the scripture you find is that uh, one who chase after a thousand, two put ten thousand into flight. It means that when you marry, you move from addition to multiplication. So God doesn't expect you to marry and retrogress. These are promising scriptures about the Bible. Hallelujah. If you study the Bible very carefully, you realize that even in the beginning, you will notice that uh, marriage is more important to God than the church. By God's level of priority, God has a certain value for the family than the church. And so if you want to know the mind of God for the original staff in the beginning, everything in the beginning started in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, God didn't start a church. He started a family. That deserves a good army. So watch this. God started what? A family. Tell somebody, God started a family. Adam was not a pastor. Adam was a husband. Eve was not a source of mommy. Eve was a wife. He only restored or brought the church after the fall of a man. After Jesus Christ came to redeem us. But you also notice that the strength of a church also depends on the strength of the family. So every church that has strong family has a strong church. And when you have a weak family, the church is also weak. So the state of the family determines the state of the church. So if you choose the right partner and you are living and you are happy, it reflects on the church. If you come to church and you and your husband are fighting, it has influence on the church. So it is so strong that the state of your heart in marriage Determine the state of your worship. I don't think you are hearing me. I'm not really preaching. I'm giving counseling first. The air condition didn't work. Hmm? Wow. Hello? Are we together? So, the state of your Marriage determine the state of the church. These are promises in the Bible about marriage. So when you see the original intent for God, <laughs> now watch this. Uh, a lot of things has been connected to the devil and the devil and the devil and the devil and the devil. The institution, the institution of marriage in the mind of God even started before the devil showed up in the Garden of Eden. 
Right after God created, he said, it is not good that a man should be alone. Interesting, when you study that Bible very carefully in the book of Genesis, you will notice that I've said this several times, that when God created a written, God looked at it and said, it is good. He called the water, he said, the water was good. You go take your time and study, everything was good. Then he broke in and came and said, no, it is not good that a man should be alone. He didn't say it is not good that a woman should be alone. He said it is not good that a man should be alone. So a man's loneliness can affect his whole life. He didn't say it is not good that a, man should, a woman should. He said it is not good that a man. It means that a woman can stay single at a certain point of his life and keep staying. But a man can't. Not necessarily burning because a lot of women we talk about this, they straightforward your man go to sex. And that's why some of you, your mind has gone now. Because when you are caught in and you have uh, the, the strength to sing, and then the exuberance, and then you want to have sex, and you realize that when you marry, you also notice that some of the things that you were chasing after and you have passion for, you can lose passion for it. Because a lot of things come into marriage. Number one, you notice that marriage is an asset test for your character. Whether you are a pastor or a bishop or a cardinal. So whoever you marry, God can use that person to knock pride in you. That is why he doesn't want you to come out. Anytime you are coming out of marriage, you are not ready to submit to something God wants to deal in your life. And unfortunately for you, in your generation, and because you don't want to take your time to study the Bible and all the stuff, uh, there are all kinds of pictures because some of you are living your Christian life as a bishop being the standard of your Christian life, a pastor being the standard of your Christian life, a certain Christian guru being the standard of your Christian life. So, um, uh, Bishop Brakata Inkoli is my standard of my Christian life. And if Bishop Brakata has left his wife, then I have the legal right. So, a people can easily say, oh, if such a powerful man has divorced his wife, then me, that is not powerful. <laughs> so that is the reason why, that's one of the reasons why we are having this conference. So that anybody here, thank God you are not married. If you decide you want to marry tomorrow, you have to make your mind on something. I am going into this and I'm not coming out. So if you sense that there are one or two things you have seen that will let you come out, then don't go into it. Now this is it. Before you clap. Oh, this one is a bomb. This one is a bomb. This one is a bomb. Should I release it now? You don't marry to change your partner. Oh! Oh, Lady Avi, you are very quiet. You don't like talking. You are very introvert. You are just yourself.
Prophet Nana said, oh, I'm going to marry her, but if I marry her, I will change her. It is the greatest mistake you have made. This is the first point that will let you go and send a guy test message that I don't love you again. In case you are going around to somebody and your mind starts, when you marry her, you, you sitting here, you change her. Even you, God has not changed you. It's becoming a major problem for God to change you. So this is the point. You don't marry to change your partner. You marry to accept them the way they are. So now let's emphasize on that point. Assuming the guy is a drunkard or he drinks three bottles of Guinness every Saturday and you are thinking that after you marry her, you will drag her to church that prophet and I will prophesy over him. And when he gives him one prophecy, you stop drinking the Guinness. No. You have to make your mind that for the rest of your life, you will speak in tongues. But there will be Guinness in your house. Oh. And, but I have a testimony. Okay, what is it? I have a friend. He married a guy. The guy was drinking. But after they married, the guy started going to church. Are you that friend? <laughs> so you can't even live your, your life because you saw something happen to somebody. And you think that it can, it can be repeated the same thing with your life. Because sometimes in the days of ignorance, God can overlook. Most of the people that you see those things happen, they never heard what you heard. They probably were not good Christians. And they probably were just doing some trial and error. And the message of God located them. But sometimes based on what your destiny is, God might not have mercy on you. Because sometimes you have to, God will forgive you, but you must live with the consequence. So somebody says something, I think, I don't know, he said, between the promise... And the fulfillment of the promise, you can produce an Ishmael. <laughs> you do hear what I said? Oh, Abraham, count the stars. Oh, Abraham, count the sun in the seashore. I am going to make your descendant like, like this. I am the Lord your God who has, who has spoken. Walk before me and be perfect. I don't break my covenant. My covenant is with you. The circumcision is the seal of your covenant. God has spoken. He has agreed with you. You heard the voice of God. But between the time you get the promise, there is going to be a distance for the promise to be fulfilled. If you don't sustain it by your faith and grace, you can produce an Ishmael. Your promise will come later, all right, but Ishmael has come to the middle. And you have to deal with Ishmael the rest of your life. Abraham is in heaven. Still, his descendants are dealing with Ishmael in Israel. So God can forgive you, but he can't wipe the consequence. It's getting quiet. I've not even started preaching. I'm just giving introductions. Can we stop here? Number three, this one is a very strong one. I'm putting the point. What about those of us who are walking in a church so beautiful? I mean, people watch you and then they hit the account, another person come back. It's like somebody can watch you are pints. Oh, sorry. So you are the type that people watch you until they, they, they fall into a manhole. But why are you not married? 
We'll talk about it spiritual, we'll talk about it natural. And some of you, by every standard, you are very holy. You are doing all the things that a woman should do to please God. But why is a man not coming? And I'm sure we have few of them here. Lord, the way they are quiet, I don't even know whether they can handle it. I'm not saying something so that you cry small. I don't even know what to say. And I'm praying, praying, praying. No. Sometimes, most of the things you use prayer, it doesn't respond to prayer. Because if you are part of this family, anyway, where prayer center, praying family chapel, or anything that hangs around our ministry, the prayer is a driving force. But as I was growing up in my intercessory lifestyle, God also taught me a lot about wisdom. And he told me that if you just live your life praying, 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 praying. I'll give you an example. I'm a very prayerful person. I love to pray. And even as of yesterday, I was feeling like I don't pray. So the whole of my meditation today, I told my wife to pray for me. And he said, what do you want me to pray? I said, pray for me because I don't think I'm praying the way I have to pray. And then he says, so then we, what do we do? <laughs> That's why he asked me. I said, I don't know what you have to do, but you pray for me. So I live a very intercessory life. As I'm standing here, there's a burden. And the burden is that I feel I'm not praying the way I have to pray. Hey. So I was even talking to Mama Ivy and I said, can you release me even after this fasting for another maybe 30 or 40 days? And he said, well, we'll talk about it. Now watch this. That is me. But the Lord was telling me that if you with your dose your intercessory life, because you see, wherever your strength is, your weakness can be found. Okay, let me go to the people here. I think this this one's. What did I say? I said, whatever your strength is, your weakness can what be found. So everybody where your strength is, you have to also mark that place very strong. Because wherever your strength is, you can also pick your weakness from there. So much as I have the strength in loving to pray, it can also be the contact for my weakness. Now, the devil attack you in your weakest time and your weakest moment. I'll come to that in a second. So, one, you, I, I realized that God told me that. Because you pray, 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 pray. If you don't take care and you don't learn other things, you are going to live all your life thinking that prayer is what must solve every problem. So if your wife is not happy, then you start praying. I bind the demons of depression. I bind the demons of moodiness. Lord, take it. If your wife come and say that, can we go and get some free so that we can store some meat? You say, Lord, I bind the demon of extravagant life. And I've seen people do it. I've seen men of God do it. So you see that you don't have a balance. For instance, one of the things God taught me is that, you remember when I married first, I was trying to push my wife to be like the way I am. So I wake up midnight, I have to wake her up. Don't, let's go and pray. And so that when we go to the park, we pray, I could see that he was sleeping. She was really sleeping. And so that I attend the prayer, I said, Lord, the spirit of sleeping on this woman. <laughs> and the one day God came to me and said, listen to me, I give people grace to do the things they do. There is a grace on you to do the things you do that I have not given it to her. 
And the Lord told me that you didn't want to marry. So one day, that's why some of the things I asked you, God asked me, God said, uh, are you, did you want a wife or you want a prayer warrior? And I couldn't answer it. Because if you wanted a wife, then if you wanted a prayer warrior, then you didn't need to go for a wife. And if you wanted a wife, the requirement of a wife is different from the requirement of a prayer warrior. Because if I keep this man in my house as my prayer warrior or prayer partner, then when I wake up, hey, Abusa, it's time, let's go and pray. But, and the Lord told me something, another thing that shocked me, he said that, if you think that the motivation of prayer is what is going to increase your love for her, you have mixed it because when a woman becomes pregnant, she can pray. Because at that time of our life, when we even talk about prayer, we didn't believe in sitting down and shh, shh. whether you are pregnant, you have to stand a kabobo, kabobo, kabobo. Once your head is not moving, you are not praying. <laughs> so we didn't consider anybody that can sit quiet and pray as even a good Christian. You have missed God. If Jesus comes now, you are not one of the people that Jesus is going to pick. And these are the things. But over the years, God has to teach us a lot of things to come out. So, the possibility of a lot of you not getting the men that will marry is not because the men are not coming. Because some of you, your standard and even your appearance can keep men away. And today I'm going to reveal a lot of secrets about who a man is. For instance, I'll tell all the ladies something. I'll tell all the ladies something. Uh, it is not also a means for you to become a fool. Because if you don't take care, then sometimes when I preach, then I tell people that I was testing my wife in a very hard way, how you can stand in an endurance. How many of you have heard me say those things? It is not something you can go and practice it. No. So you too, you come and then your fiancé has come, and then I tell her, are you a witch? Do you want to? No, it is not. Because you don't have the ministry I have. So if you don't have the ministry I have, and the woman you are going to marry, you don't have the ministry that I have that my wife has to practice to stand, then going through that test is unnecessary. You can't give a level 100 test to a primary school student. Totally unnecessary. Because not everybody will have a ministry that goes with facing uh, the giant. Not everybody. Are we talking? Yes. So let me tell you girls about who a man is. Whatever you are up to where you are sitting now, all the trainings you got it from where you grew up, either with your parents, with a cousin you live with, a certain society, certain friends, a lot of influence has come into your life from, from wherever you, you, you were raised up to where you are now. You learn a little bit from your house. You learn some from your senior sisters. So have you noticed that sometimes some of you make up, the way you make up is because of the way you do it. That's the way your senior sister make up. So when your senior sister is making up, he has a brush, pru, 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 and then he take it, the butterfly. So you learn it from your senior sister. Good. Some people too, maybe they learn it from a saloon because they never have a senior sister. Hallelujah. When I was growing up, I never have a biological sister. So there were a lot of things I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of things. The only woman I knew very well was my mother, and you can know your mother very well. Because you just hung around and then that. Because I grew up with boys in the house. And unfortunately, I went to boys' school almost early stages of my life. 
So my life was hanging around boys, 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 boys. And everything is about boys. Now, so that is the kind of things I grew up in. Hallelujah. It has a whole psychological influence on my life. And some of you, I'm talking about the fact that you also grew up in a certain environment. So wherever you are, up to where you are, a certain environment has made you. This is one thing you have to learn. So you can raise up in an environment where people are very disrespectful. And it can affect you psychologically or unconsciously or consciously. So if you want to insult, it's normal. Hey, when you're children, by saying that is the way they talk over there. Hello? Because you grew up in an environment, they talk like that. So it has become part of your life. Wow. Some guys grew up in an environment that when women talk, they slap them. Can we have one or two here? Even if they are here, they're okay. There's a, a guy like you, that. Maybe that is why you have never told anybody that you love them. Now, have you seen that we are finding this problem now? Thank God. The Lord help you never to tell anybody that you left them until that demon leaves you, uh, your environment. So, like he left his hand, they come from a place that where they grew up. For instance, you can be raised in a barracks. And when you are not in the rankings of the kennels and that, and you are in the couples and the lands couples, when he's coming and then he's drunk, you can see them beating their wife. Maybe you grew up in Jamestown, <laughs> close to the beach. And I promise you, one day I saw something, I was shocked. Where the Benin power were coming from, one of the meetings, and I saw people were shouting, a woman has run out of a room naked. What did I say? N A, okay, I won't spell it. Then a man too was chasing the woman naked in the streets. And people were shouting, and some of them were happy. <laughs> Jump on the lady and beat her, carry her. It's an environment. Now, as a result of that environment you grew up, now probably you are working somewhere because by the grace of God, uh, sometimes you can grow your environment depends on the level of your education. So when you went to secondary school, you didn't want to stay there again. Now you stay with some friend and from there you finish your university and now you are doing your national service or you are working in a bank. But it has never changed where you are coming from. Now to change where you are coming from, you need a lot of information. Apostle Paul called it being transformed by the renewing of your mind. My teaching. Good. Now, if you don't get smart at it and change it quickly, you will realize that consciously or unconsciously, you take it to caution. Oh, you love the guy and you really love him. You love him, you love him, you love him, you love him. But this is what, girls, look at me. Look at me. Every man give me a wave. This one is not something that a parent do, did it. When God greeted men, he put something in them. And in an English term, it is called ego. Have you ever heard that word? It's a certain pride, but I don't want to use the word pride. And it comes on when you meet the opposite sex. So... When I see Vincent, I'm walking with her, naturally, I expect her to exercise a certain respect and a certain submission. 
Now, unfortunately, also in Africa, it can be mixed with culture. So let's say if you are in a Nigerian culture, there is a culture that greets men by bowing down. For instance, when you go to the northern region, there's a culture that when you bring your husband water or your whatever, you have to bite down till he finish drinking before you raise your, yourself up. So if you don't have a waist, you can't even marry. You can't, if you don't have a good waist, you can't even go to that kind of tribe. One of the things you must pray and get it naturally is a waist to bow. Watch this. Watch this. So you will notice that it's a, uh, uh, one, there is ego in a man. Uh, two, the culture has added some things to the ego. So it has reinforced it. One of the reasons why sometimes it becomes very difficult for you to go to abroad, for instance, I'll tell you something about if you go to a certain quarter, let's say Britain or like America, I don't want to mention specific country, but I know some of the countries. It is easy for a lady here to marry a white man. But sometimes it can be very difficult for a, a, a black man like me to go and marry a white lady because of the demand that is placed on the culture, on the expectation of a woman from a man which we don't have in our culture. For instance, I have some pastor white friends here. Eh? The women don't know how to cook. And it's even a pride for them that they don't know how to cook. So it's their husbands that cook. So anytime I visit them, the husband is going to market and all that, and all that. And sometimes when the husband is good, the one comes, oh, I wish I can cook like this. And, I'm, and he's saying with very pride, can you imagine you? Now, here you come, you have gone to marry uh, Brida Bridget from Iceland who celebrates because in their culture, it's a pride for a woman who know how to cook. And it's a pride for a woman that the husband has cooked and has set the table before her. It's a pampering atmosphere. The food is eating, the husband cook it. It makes her feel good. But in your culture. <laughs> now, and light. And then the But by the time it comes, if the fufu is not there. I mean, these are the way I saw my father talk to my mother. So here you come, you have gone to America. And because you want your children to be half cast or something, <laughs> I'm going to marry a white lady. It will never stand. Oh. Even bring you to our culture. If you study the church, there are certain scriptures in the Bible that has not been fulfilled in our time. In Christ Jesus, there's no Gentile, there's no Jew. But there are some people in the church, when they are getting ready to marry, they will look for their tribe. And even if they come to take you, their parents will not allow. And their parents are tongue-talking and spirit-filled. This is the reason for a lot of problems in our generation. So the problem is that one of them is that because we are not going by the scriptures. So I should come from Damango and I should be able to marry you from Cape Coast. And we should be able to live fine. The only reason we have to live fine is the blood of Jesus. Now watch this. Don't clap yet. 
We have all come to church. We are born again all right. All right. But we are coming with the hangover of our background. So there is a lot of hangovers of our background. So some of you are sitting here watching me. Eh? And there is a guy who is interested in you. Promisingly, he can be a very good husband. But you are not releasing your love because of his tribe. I think it's happening to Biggie. Have I finished talking about the reason? So, everybody say ego. Now, let me hit that one before at least I sit down and then I'll continue because now, that ego eh, all the guys here who are not married and they are not caught in, one of the things that is stopping them is fear. And it's not the fear of the father, they are afraid of a snake. Every man, listen to me very carefully. Have you noticed that even the guys who doesn't come to church, they want to marry women in the church? Some of you have your, where you, where you work in your office, you know some guys, they don't go to church, they even mock about pastors, but they still want to marry a Christian. Do you know the reason why? Because every man wants a certain security in their home. And that security is a woman that is submissive. So one of the reasons why you are so beautiful, but you are not getting a fiancé, it might not be one, it's one of the reasons is that the way you carry yourself. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I'll give you one example. I know that some of you have your master's degree. You are ladies. You have your master's degree. You are very brilliant. You are very excellent. But by the, by the donation and plan of God for your life, you probably have to marry somebody who has A-level certificate. And I'll give you an example. At the time Obama finished school and was trying to work with a law firm, his wife Michelle was in a very high status than him. I mean, uh, it was not, it was not par. I mean, at all. If you read Obama's book, you realize that no, it was not par. Because if you want to come to the, the law firm, is a very small family. So uh, lawyers has their rankings and they respect their rankings. How many of you are lawyers here? How many of you did law? Is there any lawyer here? Oh, thank God, I'm on Sutrini There's no lawyer in our midst. Who are there medical doctors here? Doctor, are you a medical doctor? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But they are doctors. But why come there's no lawyers? So when we get a case, what are we going to do? <laughs> now, if you look at lawyers, they respect their rankings, this one, that. So there are senior lawyers and there are junior lawyers. At the time they were there, Obama's wife, Michelle, was considered as a senior lawyer in terms of what Obama. In fact, he employed Obama in the affair. But it is Obama that has made Michelle popular. So sometimes your destiny will not go. I have to deal with that. I have to, because if you don't deal with that, some of you, you will stay till if you don't take a, the Noah's Ark return from Anti-Arabat. Yes. Because the things you are praying about, prayer will not solve it. Never. Prayer will never solve it. For instance, tomorrow, if I have to continue, I will deliberately tell you that sometimes eh, you can, you see, Michelle said something. He said that, even though Obama was a very, like, in terms of class, but there's something about the guy that you like. It's a sensation and sensitivity from a woman. You can meet a guy that the guy you are higher in, in society, in academic, in education, 
But there is something about the guy. For instance, one day, Obama invited him for lunch, but the guy didn't have money to pay. Not he didn't have money, he has calculated. But if you take a woman to a restaurant and he drink one cook and he later asks for more, what's going to happen to you? So later when they finished and the girl was asking for more drink, Obama was shivering. But the guy has already sensed it. So as if I'm going to use the loo and come, he just went and swapped his card and paid. So when he came back and then he asked for more and the guy was sweating, he said, hey, Barack, are you okay? He said, yes, I don't know. But he was sweating. One of the stories. So when they finished and then the girl brought the bay, he was trying to go and see the guy that, you know what? You know what? I won't leave my, I, can I leave something for you? I won't come and pay this thing back. And he kept saying, so, no, no, the lady you brought, he has paid, he has paid everything. He has paid everything. He said, oh, are you sure? And then he came, but Obama came by, wanted to black me, said, I brought you here, you know, you should have. <laughs> and sometimes when you see the turn yourself, you have to also prove that you are a man. But you know what? That's one of the things that you can meet a guy like that. And, and, and one of the in the talks when we interviewed, he said, Michelle said that sometimes you have to come down to his level. At the same time, too, we have a lot of Akpa guys in the system now. Because I'm going to preach it in a balanced way so that you won't be a victim. Because there are a lot of guys hanging around the chair, they will take advantage of you right now. But I'm talking about the ability to discern the genuine one. Yes. For instance, when I met my wife, he, he has studied banking. He was working in a bank. A young pastor struggling. And I told you that his tithe was my salary. Now, in terms of finances and all kinds of things, she was high, but I had charisma. I have a very strong charisma. And I was a very prayerful guy. Because one of the things that met her is when he saw me preach for the first time. Because where I was, you don't have the opportunity to preach. But we went somewhere, I so said, come, I'm going to preach somewhere. And he asked me, have you ever preached? I said, oh, yes. And when I finished preaching, wow. And you know, women love men who has charisma. Naturally. That charisma. And one of the things I realized that even though in terms of class, you could have, uh, maybe there were a lot of guys chasing her that they were high in class, but he was very secure around me. So I also tell the guys that it is important to make sure that the woman hanging around is very secure because women don't like money. They like security. A lot, of, a lot of these foolish guys think that women like money, they are coming to chop your money. No, no, no. Some of them, even though you are chasing them, they already have their means. They are living their life, they are working. No? They are working. I have daughters here. Some of them, they have bought their house, but they are still single. They have their own house. So, it's not like, uh, it's not like, uh, uh, I don't know what do, sick or not. That is not it. There are two things women, women want security and they want care. And the care is not just money. A care, a care is somebody who cares. You can be broke, but you care. Can I say that again? You can be broke. 
Reverend Yeshua told me a story about the way Mama Rosemont vowed. Vowed that he's going to, no matter you marry Reverend Yeshua. They were all going to take, and one day, at the transport yard, he left her shoe at the transport. So they go to campus, and then they say, wow, I've left my shoe. It was a brand new shoe. He says, I'll go and bring it. So he sat in an articulator with cows inside and came back to Accra because that's the fastest car to get and pick the shoe and brought it back. And that act made the woman vow. How many of you are enjoying the things I'm teaching now? And may, let me tell you this. You don't expect him to come and teach you this thing and come and tell you that. Uh, uh, point one. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to give you very practical things because you are dealing with a practical issue. Let me add it before I sleep. Let me add this one before I sleep. It's very strong, but let me add it. Because I, I can't finish preaching a message without leaving that one out. Have you noticed that most of the guys that come after you, when they come one, two, three, first, my second one, two weeks, they begin to make advances towards sex? How many of you have experienced that? And I want very honest. So the rest of you then, it means that no man is coming after you or something. What is it that your hand is down? You have to pray because if no one is coming after you, then something is wrong with you. Sometimes they are Christians. If I let me qualify, sometimes up and coming pastors. It may not necessarily be that they are carnal or they are evil or they are demonic. Apostle Paul even writes that when you are burning towards your virgin, there is a system. That is why I don't believe in long courtship. Because once you see yourself, you see yourself. At a certain point, the relationship will demand sex. It's natural. And most sex demands are not demons. It's just the flesh who wants to get what he wants. I love you. No, I didn't say love you. I'm saying an example. I love you, Jane. Say, okay, me too, I love you. You have agreed. Because dating starts when a man has not made proposal. Once you go out to somebody and has no proposal, you are still dating. The day the guy says, I love you, you agree, courtship has started. So we have to know the difference. And until a man opens his mouth, either by text, or by, by Facebook you, WhatsApping you, Tango you, uh, uh, tweet you, uh, photograph you, twist your head, whatever. Don't just conclude that because the guy is close to you, it's your fiancé. Because that one can also make them take advantage on you. So when you see the guy is coming too close, he's not saying anything. Be strong, be hard, and tell him that don't come around me again. It's an acid test. Because you can allow a man to play around your heart, put it in his hand like an egg, and leave it to scatter on the ground. And it's not worth it. Now, that desire that starts coming, he sees you, you see her, he sees you, you see him. Definitely, it's men that always make advances towards those things. He's the one that will start. 
By the time it starts, you too, you have developed a certain love for her. If you give in to the guy to sleep with you, there are two consequences you have to face. And let me put back what I said. I'm not even talking about holiness or anything. I'm being practical. One, you can be having the sex and still manage it in a way and then come to the altar and then you marry. So now that we have married, it's illegal. The one we are doing was illegal. But now we have legal. Okay. Uh, that one, uh, you have married. The pastor may not know. Uh, nobody will know about it. But I'm going to promise you, you need a lot of prayer in the relationship to repair some things because the process of your foundation to the entry point of the marriage, one thing you will lose is called trust. Because of the way he was sleeping with you before you marry, you will never trust him when you see him moving around with any woman. So that's the first consequence you say. Some two, this is another consequence. Normally, when the guy has never had any taste on you, there is a drive. He even wants to do the wedding fast. She wish that tomorrow the wedding has been done. Because fasting there, the breaking pen head there. But fasting and casa there and yet it's a dramatical expression. And so the guy is looking for it. The moment you break the fasting, that's supposed to be broken six o'clock at twelve. The fasting has lost its value. And once anything loses its value, the price goes down. Got it. The guy doesn't care. You are going to carry the pain. It's a natural instinct in a man. Even if he marries you, you need grace to be very strong Christians. Else, that thing will still continue. Because in the next time, I'm going to show you that one of the reasons why you need to have conviction and strong love, the foundation for marriage should be love, is that you love this person for who he is. After you marry, you realize that you will still see men that are more handsome and more attractive than your husband. And you still see women that are more attractive and more beautiful than your wife. What do you do? If you are not also lucky and you have a certain kind of, uh, let me say, ministry or work that exposes you to a lot of the opposite sex, what do you do? So we are going to talk about that maybe tomorrow after church because there are a lot of things to share, but I want to give Tim an opportunity to be a blessing to you. Are you getting a point now? Two things. Now, I want to take two questions, maybe three, quickly, quickly, quick ones. And then um, I, will, I, will just, I will just put him in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, there's a lady there who has lifted her hands. I want a very brief question. Don't read me loose. Just be very brief because my time is up. Thank you, Daddy. Mm. God bless you. Um, with reference to what you just, your last statement concerning when a guy is attracted to you and demands sex, mm -hmm. when it happens like that, what do you do? What happens like that, what do you do? There's nothing you have to do. In the first place, the demand of the sex is wrong. It's against biblical principle. 
Hallelujah. So it's a very good question. What do you do? Because the guy is asking for sex. There's nothing you can do. You either give it to him or you refuse to give. Hello, me, Mali. You have to be entitled to your choice. Unless he's going to rape you. But as far as, because you see, every sex outside rape, it must be with your consent. And that is what I'm teaching so that you don't play with it. No, catch it. Susanna, remember there. When you're ready. Because I've told you. Now, you will give it, but the consequence that goes with it. Because after he has taken you for granted, he might not even continue the relationship again. And you are going to be the one that will be hurt. So you need that protection. Am I making sense? You are the one who is going to be what? So, you are either going to give in or you hold your thing back. There's no middle line about it. If you give in, it goes with a consequence. If you hold it back, all of them goes with something. Amen. Because if he truly loves you, it's going to be also the acid test for his love for you. If it's this one you want, then the marriage cannot come home. If you stay out of it till the marriage comes, then it's a true sign of his love for you. So very simple answer. Yes, next question. Yeah. Give it to her. So how do you want me to answer it? Okay, pray about it. No, there's no prayer. The more you pray, the more the guy will hit. Um, thank you, Daddy. But mm-hmm. nowadays, they are becoming smart. They okay. have you as their trophy girlfriend who do marry. They won't sleep with you, but they'll be sleeping with other girls. So in that case, they will still bring um, bad things into their marriage. So in that case, I don't get what he said. They will, they will, they will court you too as a holy girl. Yes, and sleep with other girls that you will not know. Let me tell you something. That you no. If you tell me you will not know, then you are not a Christian. <laughs> no. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you are prayerful, if you are courting with a guy, eh? Even if you are married, your husband start committing adultery, because there is something about sin that you can't hide, because sin is just beyond a, a practical act. It will change your lifestyle. It will, for instance, nobody, nobody can be living in sin and be very comfortable in the presence of God if they have not repented. So we see a sign that now they don't like to come to church. Especially in my, my meeting, they don't want to come. How many of you agree with that? They won't come. Oh, I don't really like that prophet at Noboa. Yeah, because I'm going to say some things that they will not be happy with. So if, 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 you see, that is why if you are caught in with a genuine guy, you, you can't fake Christianity. How long can you fake God? You can't. The Bible says you know them by their fruit, not their act. So the ability of leading a holy life, praying, seeking the face of God, will bear some fruit. And the ability of you chasing girls here and there, you also bear some fruit. And all the fruit, at a certain point in your life, you can't hide there. It will show forth. It will come out. There are some signs you will show that shows that something is not wrong with your Christian life. You don't used to pray the way you like praying. You are not excited about church again. Huh? And now you realize that maybe first time you can take his phone now. Even the password on his phone, he himself has to pray before he can remember. <laughs> All kinds of things. 
Security. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was telling somebody, uh, for instance, if I take a picture, everything I do on my phone, whether it's a picture or WhatsApp, it goes automatically to my wife's phone. So when you send something to me, like a picture, so let's say, if I go and kill somebody, God forbid, I take it back. And then the woman takes a picture and says, oh, I want to send it to us now. Then once he sends that message, it goes to my wife's phone. Because of our connection with iCloud. So the iCloud makes our phone interconnected. If I download something on my, if I buy a book now on my, uh, um, on my soft copy or whatever, it goes to his phone straight. Both of us has never used password on our phones. No. No. Interestingly too, it's very interesting, hardly. I have never taken my wife's phone to go through to check. He has never taken my phone to check which message or what. It never. It never crossed. It, it, it has never crossed anybody's mind to do it. It is called because forgiveness is a decision, but trust is a process. So, listen, listen. Don't force somebody to trust on you. You must work on it and prove it. So, like what our sister is saying, truly speaking, if the guy is now smart, because you can't put an old wine in a new wine skin. If the guy is really a womanizer and you say he's sleeping with other ladies, <laughs> your time is coming. One day he will jump on you. Because <laughs> that is what he sees. A good man out of the good things in you produce good things, an evil man. So you can't be different from what he, as a man thinker in his heart, so he is. So you, you can't deceive yourself. It, it's, it's, it's not possible for you to say, I'm pretending to be holy. Oh boy. It will come out. So I don't think they are trying to be smart. You rather are not trying to be wise. I say you people are not trying to be wise. not that they are not trying to be smart. Because the things you call smartest, you rather need discernment. Amen. Two ladies, I need one man. Okay, there's a guy at the back there. And that is it. That's the last question. I didn't actually start preaching my message, but I've, 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 I've finished. Daddy, I want to know how you can love a woman. <laughs> give him, give, give him, give him the microphone. Now, do you remember this one? And I'm going to quote a scripture before I do it. Remember the people came to Jesus and asked him that, on what authority do you do the miracles you do? And Jesus said, I'm going to ask you a question. John the Baptist baptist, where does he come from? So I want to ask you a question. Give me the right answer. Have you ever been to relationship? Have you ever been in a relationship? Yes. Okay. How many relationships have you ever been in? One. Did you love the lady? Somehow. How somehow did you love her? Uh, that because of uh, her bad attitude, I couldn't continue with her anymore. Give me an example of the attitude you call bad. One. No respect. Two, she like men a lot. 
and he just showed you that he like men. Yes. How did he do that? Uh, sometimes she is living somewhere in Takrade, but her phone can call me and without her notice, I can pick the phone and later I will try to call her. The guy will pick the phone and I will hear Was he a Christian? Fighting. Yeah. Was he a Christian? Somehow. <laughs> because I can't believe she told me she's a Christian, so so and so. So watch this. Let's let's qualify something here. He himself does not know who is a Christian. Who is not a Christian? So we are dealing with a lot of issues here. It means that some of you, even your attempt of trying to choose a partner, because if you are going in for a partner, one of the first qualities you have to find out that the person believes in the faith I believe. It is the first sign. Love has first sign. It is true that you saw her fine, so in the distance. But as you get close, that's why dating is very important, because in dating, then the dating is just a state of a friend. Where do you go to church? And that, and that, and that, and that, and that, and that. Because I intentionally ask him whether he's a Christian. No. And you can't blame a woman who you cannot approve of his salvation and think that he's a womanizer. Because if you two don't have salvation, you can also be a womanizer. Uh, uh, is he a womanizer? Then you can be a womanizer. Whatever that, you have it. So, the first point of, uh, the first thing we have to understand is that I realize a lot of you, uh, you find yourself into trouble because So if he asks me, how can you love a woman? And I, I knew that there is something wrong about the question as far as I could. That's why I keep on, I have to ask the questions until I get to the bottom of it. Now, to answer his question, the first thing you must understand is that love is a spirit. I won't go into details tomorrow. I'll continue. What did I say? I said love is what? Mm -hmm. How do I know it's a spirit? That is why they can put seven women here or you meet them and you fall in love with one particular one of them. Now, if you bring me and ask me which of them I will choose. It's possible I will choose different from what you choose. And if you bring another one, it's possible you will choose different from what you choose. That is why when you are black, you don't have to force your color to be fair. Because not every man loves a fair colored woman. Because the way God has made you, he knows that you can get attracted to somebody. That when you become fair, the person will not get attracted to you. God bless you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, contact World Prayer Center, PO Box GP21421, Accra, or telephone plus 233-303-413-703 or plus 233-303-413-705. Email us on info at wpcministries.org or visit our website at www.wpcministries.org.